Welcome to the Antifada, where unrest is best. I'm Jamie Peck. I'm Sean KB. And we are here with special guest, friend of the show, Jake Flores. What's up, Jake? Uh, hello. Good, very good. Spring break. What's up to you? What's up, fuckers? <laughs> and a joyful spring break to you. As a, as so, a wise man once said, I got my sides. Look at all my <laughs> shit. I got sides. I got shorts. All different oh colors. Designer shirts. I got skies. <laughs> Talk about a white boy summer, right? Uh, it's more like white boy spring. Chet Hanks would be very, very proud. This this really was ahead of its time, I tell you. Oh, my God. It's just like, okay, so, yeah, if you guys couldn't tell by now, we are discussing the movie, the film, really, yeah. Spring, Break, Spring Break, directed by Harmony Corinne. Uh, his last movie before this one was Trash Humpers. <laughs> uh, I just love the idea that all these, like, little normie kids in their fucking Abercrombie or whatever people were wearing in 2013 when this movie came out, just, like, going, like, thinking they were going to see, like... A fucking super bad kind of like sex comedy <laughs> yeah. and just being confronted with this Boshian nightmare from the guy who made gumbo yes. like that makes me happy spring, spring break errs is the title of the film spring break errs indeed errs forever oh it's so good like I'm made I, of money I look at my teeth it. look at my teeth i am made of money <laughs> look at all my shit <laughs> there's so many quotable lines in this film and it like it makes me a little bit angry because it just gets better and more perfect every time i watch it, it and rules. i'm like what the fuck man i feel like harmony corinne is like an idiot savant or something like do you guys agree oh yeah oh yeah he's a total freak weirdo uh and so anything that anything he makes that reaches like a level of you know beauty like this you kind of look at it and you know this had to kind of happen on accident right this guy's a lunatic but you know with guys like him sometimes that's by design he's got a bit of a mystique around him i mean who he else just... could come up with a with that alien character and the line that he says in the film which is i got i got golden bullets man fucking vampires <laughs> like what <laughs> well before we get i guess too far into that yeah i mean you know, I think James Franco is getting a lot of credit for essentially just looking at Riff Raff's Twitter account for a little while <laughs> to do research for a character because it does seem like he is exactly, you know, the Houston rapper Riff Raff. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I met Riff Raff, actually. Not long after this movie came out, um, I was tasked with sort of chasing him around and trying to get some quotes from my little article I was writing for MTV Hive. And me and my friend Debbie were backstage and he was like clearly just trying to fuck this trashy girl in Ugg <laughs> sure. boots, which, you know, respect, respect an, for keeping it real. Go, I, yeah. I could imagine Riff Raff dating like Agonist Dine or some like fashion model or whatever. Um, but no, she she was like a leathery tan dormy in Ugg boots. And I was like, that's cool. But he like clearly didn't really feel like talking to me. But uh, his uh, his manager, whoever, was like, yo, all you got to do is say, yo, Jody, I brought the rice out. 
and then he'll talk to you <laughs> if you give him cocaine. And I was like, all right. And I was like, hey, Jody, I brought the rice out. And he was like, oh, word. <laughs> Is that like, like a question? I brought the, he was, rice, brought the rice out. I, I did not say it with the confidence that I needed to, but it, it still jo- worked. Jody, uh, I, I, I brought the rice out. Funny how that happens. So like we were hanging out backstage. He was doing all my coke and like also smoking weed and going like Rastafari. And uh, <laughs> normal things. De- normal Debbie things. actually had better luck talking to him than I did because she wasn't a fucking journalist and she just wanted to party with her forever. <laughs> and uh Oh, yeah. So she was like she asked him if he was friends with Harmony Corinne, because this is right after the movie came out. And he uh, he like posted a text or an email from Harmony Corinne supposedly proving that he was supposed to play the role in the movie. I mean, all it said was uh, I'm looking at it right now. Yo, Riff Raff, what's up? I want to put you in a movie. You down H, which could have been any number of things. Right. (laughs) But. Uh, he said a movie. He, he, not, he didn't say this movie. He didn't say I want to put you in Spring Breakers, just a movie in general. Yeah, and it could have just been like, oh, I want to put a character like you in this movie, right. you down, and that was like his permission or whatever. But like, he seemed like he was genuinely upset. Like, Debbie asked him, she's like, oh, so are you friends with Harmony Corinne? Or did he base that character on you? Or what? Are you guys friends? And he's like, well, we used to be. Well, and... I'd- he seemed like kind of pissed, but like, honestly, I feel like that's kind of kind of weak shit because I'm not from Florida, but I know a lot of people who are and who've spent time there. I'm sorry. And everybody knows a guy like that. Yeah. I bet Riff Raff just asked for an obscene amount of money. That sounds like, <laughs> you know, yeah. oftentimes when there's someone in a movie who you think like it would have been the person and then they're not in it. If you look into it, that's what happened. Like I just watched the new Eric Andre movie and they they just sub in Lil Rel for Hannibal. Like it's so obvious. He's wearing glasses and dressed like him and stuff. It's the same character, but uh, you know, knowing what we now know about Hannibal. I could see Riff Raff being like, um, you know, Harmony Corinne, like, yo, I want to put you in a movie. And he's like, $20 million. <laughs> yeah, he's a crazy person. Yeah. He's a crazy person. <laughs> he doesn't understand how much movie, uh, money movies he even make and stuff. Really yeah, I mean, I'm sure James Franco is way cheaper than that. And he did such a good job in this. Oh, my God. I pissed some people off last night when I tweeted that James Franco is the Nicolas Cage of his generation. I feel like <laughs> I was trolling a little bit. But he's like... Nicholas Cage adjacent, I would say. I mean, he's a, uh, I'm not afraid to say, I think Franco's a tremendous actor. He obviously gets really into shit. He was, he was alien in this film, Spring Breakers. But uh, I don't think, you know, outside of that, not that I give that much of a shit about people's personal lives, he's supposed to be a real asshole. But you know what? He's an actor and actors can be really I've heard. Most of them are No, I'm sure he's a piece of shit. He's still like my embarrassing grad school boyfriend in my mind, but um, that's neither here nor there. Um, Oh, but I wanted to talk about this before we get too far into the movie. There is a news peg of sorts for us talking about this movie that came out in 2014 right? uh, 12 i think pretty sure it was 12 uh, it was 13? either 2013 or 2014 i'll look that up i mean it doesn't fucking matter um there's a news peg of sorts oh it is 2012 good job 2012, uh, the year that there's the a news peg of sorts all. 
Everything's yeah. 12, 2012 again. We're living in the eternal return of the Mayan calendar. Oh, yeah. We're back in 2012. <laughs> 2012. We're back, baby. We're back. Uh, second time, farce edition. Um, yeah. So, like, it's spring break again now. And I have only been looking up stuff about it because I'm going to Miami. <laughs> This going weekend? to Miami. Bienvenidos, uh, don't, ask, Miami. don't ask why. I mean, my friend, my my dear friend Debbie is down there, and she wanted me to come, and I wasn't uh, wasn't too sure about that. You're, you're and going then for I quit spring my break. Job, you're going for spring was, break. Now I'm going to spring break. Spring, <laughs> spring break forever. Break. So I mean, unironically, Miami is a hell of a town. It's actually fucking cool as hell. So more power to you. I like. I, Miami. I always have a good time. I don't like Florida, but I love Miami. We're, we're going for the weekend and then we're going to the Florida Keys. But um, so after I already booked us an Airbnb, like in South Beach, I looked it up. Uh, I was like, what's going down? What's going on? It's spring break this year. And apparently it's pretty crazy. Spoiler alert. Uh, that's um, the point of it, isn't it? That's what we learned from this documentary about spring break. We learned it yeah. gets pretty crazy. Well, Oh, well, I'm looking at this Rolling Stone story right now. I sent it to you guys if you feel like pulling it up. Titled, How Spring Break Hit Miami Beach Like a Perfect Storm. Mm. Uh, okay, <laughs> let's see what's going on there. Uh, and it seems that they have created uh, these idiots in Florida. The the officials, not the spring breakers. The spring breakers are no, they they're fine. They're not uh, idiots, they're smart. They're, They've created this situation where the governor, Ron DeSantis, is like, come to Florida. We have freedom here. And he's like uh, trying to keep even keep localities from doing any more mask mandates or like shutting shit down. He's like, no, it's done. We have freedom now. And then this flood of spring breakers has arrived in Miami and other towns in Florida. um, And they're basically just like, fucking shit the fuck up causing stampedes <laughs> and it's large it's largely like proletarian spring breakers too they're not like rich white kids like i've seen the videos it's largely like uh black and brown college students who go to state schools like these are i i feel like i want to pay attention to what's going on so there's some lines from the article and uh, where did I put it? Where oh, did you I put copy, the article? pasted them in here. Um, so, okay. So the, the local businesses were like happy at first because they're like, oh, yay, business. Um, and they're talking to this bar owner. And she says, then on the evening of Saturday, March 13th, she and her staff heard either fireworks or gunshots in the distance. Then a stampede of 300 or 400 people ran inside our establishment, into our lobby, into our kitchens, and back of house areas where staff members were, and none of them had masks on. And she was like, ooh, I don't know. Do I stay open? Just beef up the security a little bit? But, like, these stampedes kept on happening, and the people who worked there were terrified. So they just shut it. They closed. They shut it down. Um, And I'm like, hmm, okay, not sure how I feel about that. And then there's, towards the end of this article... Like, it's just describing the sort of lawlessness of these crowds as Mm. the cops. Uh, Of course, you know, the cops make every situation better. JK, uh, the cops are like trying to implement a curfew. Aren't we always Mm -hmm. asking the proletariat to become ungovernable? 
How is this not that? It's the same thing. Well, yeah, I mean, it's like we're joking, but a little bit. Yeah, like the cops were firing pepper balls into the crowd. And um, but like people just didn't give a shit. They were like twerking on top of cop cars and shit. And this is this is the final paragraph from the article. It's Tuesday evening on March 23rd and Bluetooth speakers compete with each other as Miami Beach PD squad cars line up on the grassy mound that separates Ocean Drive from the white sands of South Beach. The cops have congregated in a semicircle, arms crossed and faces completely covered. Mayanna Gates, a recent college graduate from Minnesota, grins as she explains that she has just completed her third week wow, here. That's, that's a long a spring, break. spring break. I love the action, she <laughs> says, of the scenes that have been covered on the news in the past week. The police, she points vaguely, they aren't stopping us. They can't stop yeah. us. If they want to put their sirens on, we'll just move somewhere else. Be so, water. I'm- <laughs> What? Be like water. <laughs> Isn't that what yeah, the Hong ex- Kong process is? Be water. Be water. Oh, like, yeah. exactly. <laughs> like, I posted this on Twitter and I was like, is this communization? But, like, JK, unless. Yeah. I would love, I would love, like, the American working class to backdoor its way into communism through spring break. That would be perfect. You know, who needs consciousness? You just right? get a bunch of uh, proles together, get some Ciroc peach or whatever, and call it a rev. Do some dubstep if we learned anything from the film we watched. (laughs) Right? Like, I'm... Okay, so these debates over the lockdown, uh, I kind of wish Andy were here because he would kind of rep the Agamben perspective a little bit. But, like, I feel like there's, like, a lot... There's just a large swath of people who are sick of the lockdown shit. And, you know, you could say that this is wildly irresponsible, but I get it. Like, they're being told, oh, you still have to go to work. You're just not allowed to do any of the fun stuff that yeah. makes your life worth living. And this is going to continue indefinitely. I, and I people a, are like, fuck that. I have a question. Are these like students? Because that also kind of would... They, students have got it pretty bad during the pandemic. Yeah. yeah. All the yeah. jer- being jerked yeah, around with whether you have to go to school or not. Or now it's on Zoom and you still have to go. And not to take like a consumerist stance on this but it is true that people are paying like money to go to their state or private school and they expect it to have some sort of like american middle class dormitory experience where they get to like you know party and blackout and stuff like that and instead they're like on zoom calls with their fellow students so i could see how you know college kids could be upset by all this certainly yeah. So, so so I've been trying to figure out if any of this can be recuperated, right? In my communization brain, um, actually to prepare for this episode, I reread a discussion from Hardcrackers where our friends Jared and Tanzim and others are talking about um, the, the, the George Floyd protests and some of the looting and the rioting that occurred. And Tanzim is talking about how her friend was uh, looting on Grand Concourse in the Bronx. And she was like kind of mad at her at first because she's like, you didn't give a shit when that man died. You really don't care about these issues, even though you should, because you're black and from the hood. Um, Why do you think you have the right to take shit now? But then she, you know, she put her left cob hat on and she was like, well, you know, 
Marx tells us that it's not so much what people consciously are, right? But what the proletariat actually is. And these are determined by their social and material conditions. And, you know, consciousness can transform in the course of activity, in the course of struggle. Uh, I'm just wondering if there are any, uh, any limits to that? Like what kind of struggle it has to be? Uh, could struggling against, you know, the state, uh, on some level be a little bit like um, this, this, this kind of consciousness transforming thing, or is it just too antisocial in nature because you are seeing like, like you're, you're young and able-bodied people. You're spreading a deadly fucking virus that kills people. That's not very comradely. And you're like terrifying and spreading it to service workers who can't get away. So it seems like the class consciousness is not, really there yet but could it be am i just like talking on my ass right now well, when when Guy Debord wrote about the watts riot he talked about um you know within the material community of capital coming up against the limitations of the commodity form so if the florida proletariat and the spring breakers run up to that commodity form and they push past it if they start breaking down the relations of production i'm all for it but maybe more likely is that um you know, we saw a lot of hedonism in the 60s and into the 1970s that was combined with some sort of radical aspirations. By the time the 1980s comes, you, you had the, the uh, hedonism left. You had this like party nihilism, but denuded of any sort of political content. So you'd have to, I guess, in this case, hope that it went the other way this time. But I'm a little mm-hmm. dubious myself. Jake, what do you think? Well, I think they for sure are transforming their consciousness. Uh, <laughs> in, <laughs> in a certain sense. Yeah. <laughs> in a direction towards what we want. I'm not <laughs> quite sure. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I think it's an interesting question of, uh, you know, can, can partying play into this in the way that people even imagined in, like, the 60s and stuff like that? Um, I think... I don't know. I, I, I think uh, I'm, I'm just cynical, I guess. I mean, I remember within the, the height of the insurrection, you know, going around Manhattan and the crowd was primarily black kids between like teenagers into their 20s and people would go and God forbid they'd loot like a fancy shop and they'd fight the cops and then you'd get into the middle of an intersection and somebody would have speakers and you'd have a dance party for 15 minutes and then you'd go off to the next block and fight the cops again. Yeah, so great. maybe there's some connection between these two, but I, I don't know. It's, it, you can imagine that being part of a generalized insurrection, but like this is very much not about um, capitalist social relations. Yeah. At least not in a direct way. Well, it's, it's like, there's, it's just a hundred percent libidinal, right? So is, is it possible for this to boil over into a spring break autonomous zone? <laughs> just all on its own without anyone deliberately thinking like that. Right. Oh my God. Yeah. I mean, it's true, right? Like I, I am uh, trolling a little bit and I feel like people are going to get mad at me for even posing this. This is a serious question, but like there, there is, at least within the George Floyd uprising, um, a vanguard, a layer of people who do make the explicit connection, right, between um, police violence, white supremacy, and capitalism, and the activities of looting and rioting in the streets, which which can, like, you know, these layers kind of bring the other layers along with them sometimes, whereas with spring break, there's not really that kernel of... Um, 
I don't know, <laughs> political coherence, shall we say? Well, but maybe that doesn't matter. Like, fuck the vanguard, right? It's not really them. Well, what that, if there, uh, it's, this is happening? The most stuff that matters. What if this is already happening and then we look at it and we go, wait, what if we send someone down there to just like <laughs> agitate and be the vanguard and go to the people, you know? This is why Patiently I'm going as, there. As it's Lennon time said. for me to intervene in spring break and push <laughs> it to the radical limit. I mean, like the George Floyd uprising, which was a lot of things over a span of time, right? It was like a liberal co-opted like awareness campaign of marching peacefully in the streets and like asking politicians and cops to be nice. But the bleeding edge of it was more than that. The insurrection was never specifically about communism. But what we talked about on the show is the ways in which like communism can be produced through the course of struggles. So just like George Floyd insurrection wasn't about communism and sure as fuck spring break is not about <laughs> communism. You know, we could look at, you know, not, we don't have to spend all of our time doing it, but we can think about these, the ways that these sort of libidinal desires like could potentially turn into something different. And I think the best way is for you to go down there and seed um, cap, uh, communist consciousness down there in Miami. Yeah, pass out some pamphlets to these freaking yeah. kids. <laughs> Seriously, they need to read. Tell them to read. Oh, like Lennon said, I, patiently explain. Can I get some can I get some copies of EndNotes or like Socialist Worker or something? I feel like EndNotes would be the most fitting. You know, like sell drugs. Hey guys, I bet you didn't know that you're doing communism right now. <laughs> Here's a pamphlet. Oh, that's, that's great. Maybe you need something a little more pithy than EndNotes, but uh, I don't know. God. Well, you package the drugs in in the EndNotes and then when they're when they're transforming their consciousness maybe they just all they have to do is look down and start reading yeah, sure and then maybe uh suggest lsd as opposed to maybe like ciroc peach or whatever i mean i just came up with that as a joke but legit that is like how uh evangelicals go about trying oh, to make this 100%. happen which is you know a, a byproduct of their understanding of how the world works and how ideas are transmitted which sure. is ridiculous but idealist claptrap but they are like the, the you know i i watched this movie um like a week ago for my podcast did a bonus episode about it for an entirely different reason, which is in response to the uh, the Atlanta spa shooter because mm. he was really, um, really, really demented about like sex and sex work and stuff like that, and um, he. Uh, was involved in these evangelical organizations that are, you know, like purity, and he wasn't he wasn't busting, like it was, it was fucked up, you know. And uh, <laughs> hate to not bust, I mean that happens, but you don't just go around shooting people up for that reason. So I, you should bust. Uh, so I, <laughs> I was looking into these evangelical organizations, and I found one that made uh, a documentary that's on Netflix that's like really low key, like well produced and stuff. And if you watch it, you might not notice that it's like really subtly implying all this Christian bullshit. Uh, but it's, it's very similar to spring breakers. I mean, the, and it's, it, it kind of showed me that like, yeah, they have like a really heavy, there are people that are pro trying to propagandize to these people. There, mm -hmm. there are people that are alarmed about this for a different reason. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I don't know that they've made that much progress though. Like every once in a while, a celebrity gets on board with them and then will like realize like, Oh shit, you guys are crazy church people and back off. <laughs> there was a crazy church person in this movie, right? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. There's an overlap here. There's an overlap, yeah. It's really the skeleton key to understanding a lot of things about our society, it, it turns out. Serena Fucking Gomez was... Uh, six degrees of Harmony Corinne. Who knew? Well, it's, uh, yeah, it's alarming enough to where people with different agendas are looking at it and going, so we got to do something about these damn kids. They're all <laughs> fucking each other. Society's coming apart. Yeah, well, that's what I like about this movie. And that's what is also infuriating about this movie, right? And, like, critics responded 
very in lots of different ways to it right because you really can't he's not passing a moral judgment on any of this it's just like he's doing that thing where he's like it's the job of art to reflect society not to make any prescriptions and i feel like that's exactly what this movie does i mean there are people i mean there's there's always going to be like a little bit of like a wink wink when some like hipster art douchebag goes and hangs out at spring break right like he doesn't think any of this stuff is cool but like like there are people there are reviewers who didn't like it because they thought he was passing judgment on this and there are reviewers that didn't like it because they thought he wasn't passing judgment on it and they're like well this movie is meaningless if it doesn't have a message but like I really think that's what's cool about it. Like it reflects exactly what's going on in our society. And it's like, well, you know what, what you think about this, what you're going to do about it is up to you. And it's a fucking Rorschach test. Like, um, like Leslie Arfin, I don't know. She used to write for vice and shit. She, she had like an incredibly vacuous review of this movie that kind of reflects uh, one way, one probably common way that people took it, which is like, this movie is about how you should do what you want and it's fine. (laughs) (laughs) Do what you want by shooting up uh, like a mansion full of uh, Floridians. Do as thou wilt. It's the same (laughs) Titanic movie. uh, You know, the Selena Gomez character, she's a Jesus freak. She goes home and that's fine. And the other ones stay and they shoot a bunch of black people and that's fine too. Like, what, bitch? Uh, I mean, by byproduct of like just the way writing online is set up or something this is something that we've all talked about over and over and I'm not going to beat to death or whatever but it's like there's there's an inherent misunderstanding of anyone writing about it in that way which is that like is, is the purpose of art to have a message? No, that's propaganda. You, right. You're you saying you want propaganda. Art is, yeah, it's reflective. It just goes, this is what's happening. Um, but I think specifically when you talk about this subject matter, you're in really dodgy territory where you are going to get these liberal-brained, like, art-hating, fucking sourpuss people really on edge because something culturally that has become a, like a big cultural signifier or, like, token or just symbolic thing to use for, um, you know, for, I don't know, certain classes of affluent uh, creative people in the last 10 or 20 years has been like bro stuff and like college, like young, you know, affluent, excessive, obnoxious white people. I think a lot of these people come from that world or went to college and were horrified by that. And so they've identified like a lot of what is being put on display here as really bad and kind of can't put up with watching a movie without going, someone needs to say these people are bad. Yes, yes. Let me read a review that I just found that's exactly on that. This is on the imdb.com website. Reviewer Dizzy Lair. I was a big fan of kids and expected the same amount of intellectual, intellectually subtle social commentary in this film. I could not oh wait to get out of the theater. If I had not paid so much for my ticket, I would have gotten up and left halfway through the movie. It is awful! Exclamation point. It is astonishing to me that this generation finds a movie this horribly scripted, filmed, and thought out to be good. It's not controversial, racy, or thought-provoking. It gives no insight, message, or underlying theme. Blah, 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 blah. So what they're arguing, that they saw kids, and they expected a similar like morality tale, because kids is about being young, and it's similarly about partying, and I think it similarly takes what's like takes the image of, uh, of young people having fun and young people doing drugs and drinking and distorts it because it gives it like um, a, a darker hue, right? Yeah. Like when the kids are partying and kids, 
you know, you, you can tell that something is off, you know, these like 15 year olds, like passing out on nitrous. And obviously we know at the end of it, that there is a sexual hey, assault. Nothing wrong scene. with doing that. All right. Well, you know, but, but there is a sort of judgment that Harmony Corinne is doing in that because he lays consequences down at the end. And in this movie in spring breakers, there's certainly consequences too. Not so much for the girls who get away with it, but like he similarly, I think one of the things that Harmony Corinne does really well with the uh, videography, I guess it would be, is he, he just, the, these constant scenes of like titties and asses shaking and like people doing funnels and pouring liquor on like in each other's mouths and shit uh takes on a really dark hue like the way that he yeah, it's, yeah, it's it's a bashian nightmare but it doesn't like tell you it doesn't off. tell you what to feel explicitly yeah. unlike yeah. kids it's more it's more ambiguous and subtle like he's obviously showing us the horror inherent to this spring break culture and he's showing he's showing the weirdness in the square really mm. like um like like that intense performance of gender that can't help but be a little bit queer or like you know when these frat boys are like so fucking into being straight dudes together that it just <laughs> becomes gay <laughs> via horseshoe theory you know yeah, what i'm talking that's about the real horseshoe theory. yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> No, it's it, this this film. Like, I think you can if you read it straight. I could see how you could be like, all right, nothing happened. This was just like a, a tale of violence and a tale of like excess and a tale of nihilism. And I think that that's all true. I think though that it maybe Harmony Corinne as like the dumb genius that he is. It's a reflection of like of America, which is those things. You know, yeah, I'm, like it's. It's the American dream. It's like the, they there, say it there multiple times review. in the movie. Yeah, I mean, I, I honestly like I. I was a little surprised when I was watching this that oh, I reminded myself this was made by Harmony Korean, and the reason I was surprised by it is because I was like, you know, Harmony Korean's usually a surreal kind of cut up nightmare, but this was a film like it, it had a three act story I could lay out if I needed mm -hmm. to. You know, I mean, it's. Uh, I think it was actually it was one of those things where like. You know, like some people watched Parasite, they're like, "What did it mean?" And if you understand like a little bit of theory, you're like, "It's beating you over the head with yeah. like what it means." I, or I think you're just poor, and you understand what it's like to be like condescended to while you're driving a rich person around. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I think um, I think I have a theory, which I, I won't, maybe I'll get into later or something. But I, I think it deliberately has kind of a message. But I don't think that it was uh, like like he sat down and was like, "I am going to." Here's what I think. I think it's kind of about uh, race, but I don't think he sat down and went, I am going to make a movie about race and then wrote this movie. I think that he explored the emptiness of Spring Break and probably found something in it. Mm. And that's how you make shit that's interesting. It's not by sitting down and making something with a fucking message that's like, oh. these people are good and these people He's are bad. He's an idiot savant. Right. That's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. I don't no, think like, Harmony Corinne knows the power of his own art. <laughs> like, he really has a way of, like, channeling things almost through osmosis and spitting out a film that's more profound than he he has any right 100%. to make yeah, or any intention of making like like I'm even wondering because there's several references to the great Gatsby in this movie mm. several allusions mm. um there's oh. you know <laughs> I obviously got that amazing got... scene when he's like look at all my shit yeah, I got that's... shorts every fucking color designer fucking... shirts <laughs> fucking gold bullets man <laughs> fucking vampires alien's life like, is so empty though <laughs> it's so good but his life is so empty but like that's exactly like the scene when the great Gatsby is like throwing all his beautiful shirts on the bed and like yeah. trying to impress Daisy with them right, and right. then he's got a dock literally behind his house 
that they hang out oh, on yeah. and sing Britney mm. Spears songs yeah. and, you know, look out into the distance, into the this, uh, you know, American frontier or whatever direction they're looking in. Oh, we're going to talk and about then, frontier. Go on. And then at the end, uh, the the way that the uh, Gucci man, uh, Gucci man, his friend Archie, dies, Archie, Archie yeah. he's floating in the pool, like the last mm. scene of The Great Gatsby. Oh, yeah. So I'm like, all right, Harmony Crin probably read this book in high school and then completely internalized it and spit it back out again in a way that came out, um, you know. Oh, my God. Also, the, the, in the car, isn't there like stuff in like am i making this up in the great gatsby there are two people kind of driving down the highway and something bad happens it's like the very beginning of yeah. the book there yeah i mean they basically do a drive-by in the great gatsby right oh, and there's one in this movie as well no i mean it just blew my mind I, I think it's i i think that that probably makes sense i think harmony corinne probably understood that when he put those references in i think it is a story about um excess and a story about violence and a story about like the nihilism at the heart of American life. But it's mostly a story about um, the American dream about what that means that the Archie, both Archie and alien talk about the American dream. Yeah. And interestingly in both scenes, they're with two women yeah. in like their, their, mm-hmm. their jacuzzis or their pools or whatever. Being with two women apparently is like the American dream. Two chicks at the same two time. Two chicks at the same time. Hell yeah. And I think, um, yeah, I think this is a reflection of America. I think Harmony Corinne, maybe he did the Great Gatsby thing on purpose, but I think just like you saw in kids, and unfortunately probably too in Gummo, um, <laughs> he, he has he has this uh, this strange ability to like really capture you know the heart of something. Let me give you my elevator pitch of what I think this movie's about. Um, I don't know if that's the word, but my I'll encapsulate it pretty quickly because I think that it is the I think you that's it. I think it's kind of centered around that, right? Harmony Korean has kind of uh, got a motif of like he's really interested in, in like blackface mm. and uh, minstrel and stuff like that. And so you have this character alien, right? Who's I mean he's 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 a wigger, you know what I mean? Like yeah. he's doing a form of kind of blackface or appropriation or something. To me, what this movie is is let's start with Archie, right? Yeah, you've got a black guy who lives in America who is uh, you know back against the wall socially becomes an exploiter. That's what it is to be a gangster. You know, it's like, I'm going to die. So fuck you. I'm going to become the enemy, the exploiter instead of make a racket. Yeah. And, uh, then you've got the, his white friend who thinks that's cool. And Mm. so he appropriates that culture and he's like, well, I'm a gangster now too. And that can only happen for so long before the two of those people come in conflict. Cause it's not really the same when a white person does it. You know, even if it's, I don't know what Alien's background is, if he's working class or whatever. He's, he says, because I just he watched it this morning, he, he said he, grew, like he, he was does the only have white working kid class in the, background, and he yeah. was the only white kid at his school. Right. Yeah. Uh, but I, he's like, he also, the his black friend taught him everything he knows. Right. Yeah. He but he, he excels, like, so hard at it, and you might look at that and go, well, maybe there's a reason there, because even if you are the only white kid in this town, whiteness still, you know, there's connections or something. Um, He has a fucking mansion by the water. Yeah, and so I think then you have these four girls that come into the picture. Chaos agents. One of them is like a Christian, and she's horrified by all this, and so she does not interact with it. She runs away. One of them is literally, like, damaged by it, Mm -hmm. and so she's forced away. And then you have these two women left who, you know, the the way that they survive the situation is by, like, becoming, like, 
Instead of like fixing the problem, but they're horrified. Like, how could they fix it? What I'm saying is they become like the new alien. And so to me, that's like a very neoliberal, like uh, the way to solve all this social decay is like, oh, we're going to now women are the gangsters. Now white women are the gangsters. <laughs> and we just continue this thing where we're like, are you in trouble? You become the exploiter. Everyone fucking becomes it. And it's, you know, woker and woker identities become, but it's still like a bad thing. And I think it's really embodied like in the, the base cultural thing that I, I think that like you could sum this movie up with is when you go to shitty like places like this like frat parties and spring break and stuff like that you have all these white kids that go what's up bitches they appro- yeah. they talk like they're gangsters <laughs> they're like, and yo it's, it's Chet Hanks over here what's up bitches like, motherfucker <laughs> yeah Chet Hanks you're the son of a million you are not a gangster but no. like you are acting like it and I think it's so, I think it's right in front of us all the time we see it all the time and we never stop to even go what was the original joke here when a white person started talking like they were Tupac or something <laughs> it just became normal yeah. you know it's normal so I think yeah. that, that it, in that way, it's, it's a reflection of like, yeah, what I mean, what is what is our dream? You know, it's just to continue to like kind of tragically appropriate this thing that this guy did. who He didn't have a choice, but you kind of do, you know. Mm-hmm. And then and uh, I think interestingly, I, on rewatching it, um, I thought that 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 Archie and Alien had um, broken their friendship before the girl showed up. But they actually compel Alien to go and meet Archie at the strip club and, and say like, oh, we're going to, you know, I'm not friends with you anymore. And then Archie's like, fuck you. And then Archie says to him something interesting, which is like, take your white ass back out and go, uh, go uh, rob some spring breakers or something like that, which they immediately do right after that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so they go and literally a, do that. Like going, a beautiful montage. Going down like the, the value scale of, crimes he goes from like being a successful drug dealer and rapper to now because of these girls because they convince him through their nihilism uh through their love like true aesthetic love of violence to go down the ladder and start doing violent street crimes maybe for the first time his friend archie throws that at him as like a fuck you sort of thing that's your place in the world and aliens like okay sure it is these girls told me that's great yeah Aw, I feel I really feel for Alien. <laughs> he is the protagonist of the movie. He's a tragic figure, literally. Like he had everything going for him. And these girls show up in his life. And to be fair, when Alien finds them, he's being a predator. Right? The twins mm-hmm. go to jail with the girls. You know, or the, the, the twins see the girls in jail and they tell the creepy sex twins oh that are God, in all the, of Harmony Cruise oh, movies. Yeah, yeah. The real creepsters, like real just disgusting. <laughs> and at one point he um well, aliens like those twins, man, they do everything together. They drink together. They smoke together. He's like, yo, they do girls at the same time together. Like, yeah. no, in case you didn't get what he was hinting yeah. at, he's like, talk about double penetration. Yes, he does. He says that. I'm talking double penetration. But no, like um, alien fucks up in the beginning because when he goes to jail to bail them out, he's being a predator. Like you can yeah, see it in his kind of creepy. He's yeah. being a real creep and he only wants these girls for like sex and, and just, I don't know, feel good about himself. He sees something innocent and he wants to um, pervert it. Um, however, they're not innocent. And in fact, they are the ones after that initial predatory thing by alien. They are the ones that pervert him. They are the ones that turn his life into a tragedy. They're the ones that end up getting him killed. Yeah. I mean, they, they are the danger. They are the danger. <laughs> the, the, like a big kind of running motif or theme or whatever in this is like just this power dynamic shit i mean he's he literally comes to to exploit them and then 
you know, f- falls in love with him on some level. And then later on, you have that scene where, like, they're, like, fucking him in the face with a gun yeah. and shit. And, it's like, <laughs> and he's, like... And he loves he's it. He's, like, it's so impressed by it. He's, like, oh, my God, you know? <laughs> That's the power inversion. No, once again, we're, we're finding the queer and we're finding the kinkiness in the square, right? Because, like, oh, it turns out the shit that normie society is all about the shit that we've been taught to want is incredibly kinky and fucked up and weird right like oh you want power you want power over others and you get off on that that's what american society is built on it's uh that's completely normalized yeah yelling what's up bitches i mean that's what is that you know that's i'm (laughs) pretending i'm a pimp and you're my hose and all this shit yeah like he calls them bitches and they're like hey but like (laughs) what i was gonna say was um oh yeah i think i think what you're saying makes a lot of sense jake uh especially considering you know the young girl i mean we could we could do a whole episode on the young girl as this archetypal uh creature of consumerist culture right didn't tacoon write some pamphlet about that that got people angry but like yeah the whole time though they're like i mean spring break if there's one thing i know about spring break is that a whole lot of rapes happen amid this uh this kind of dionysian bacchanal and And the problem to happening in this film too it's a very rapey film yeah yeah, and, and the, but the problem is not that there's like this hookup culture and people are too free and liberated, right? The problem is patriarchy. The problem right. is, you know, uh, fucking rape culture. Uh, but you're afraid like the whole movie that they're going to get raped because yeah. they're just parading their like supple young bodies all around spring break. There's that scene where what's her name? Um Cotty is like teasing all those bros like you're never going to get this pussy because you're a little bitch and I'm like oh no like don't I hope nothing bad happens (laughs) and then they take this power and wield it against other people and oh hey that's bad too but like yeah there are a lot of there are a lot of racial dynamics and there are a lot of gender dynamics there's almost like a horror film kind of final girl type situation in the end it's like the end of like texas chainsaw 2 when she's like i made it out alive you know running around covered in blood with a chainsaw uh the only way to make it out of this like nightmare situation is uh you know to become the monster you know well and that's like be killed uh, become the danger right like the very the very first two scenes of this film the first one is the girls sitting in like a seminar hall uh, history class, and the professors talking about the civil rights movement. They talk about um, the double reconstruction, v, yeah. And then they talk about reconstruction. They t- they mention fascism and how you know black Americans went to go fight in the world in World War II and they came back expecting freedom. And what are the girls doing when confronted with this like reality of violence and oppression in the United States? The one takes her notebook and writes, "I want penis" with a heart around it, and shows the other one, and the other one starts like draws a picture and starts filleting it. And so they're like, "This is the everyday life. This is the real." Because the next scene is uh, Serena Gomez at church, at like a penta, whatever. I don't care about her. <laughs> I, don't, I barely know who she is, but whoever she is, she's at a like a Pentecostal church or like a youth pastor is ministering to her. So you have the reality of like American history and like American events there. And then you have the reality of like this sort of, you know, Christian good life that this one girl is leaving. And the girls who go on spring break, they're trying to escape from this reality and they're trying to create a new reality for them. But then they, of course, get so 
wrapped up in this reality and how to get into that reality, which started with a violent robbery that the sort of violence that they use in order to like create the real starts to take on a life of its own until they become the perpetrators of all of the, 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 those kind of subtle violence all around them. They become the danger. Yeah. They become I mean, American. I, they live the American think, dream. Yeah. I think it's possible. I mean, when you say dream, like it's possible that at a certain point in this movie, they are just dreaming, right? Like I'm not convinced that any of this shit actually happened that happens in the third act of the movie because yeah, it's not. just, it's a hallucination. <laughs> it's a fantasy, yeah, but I mean, you know, her, it's, it's a movie, so it doesn't really matter. The um, cinematography but, kind of implies that on some level because, um, you know, Harmony Green's a little bit of a surrealist and, uh, there's scenes where the, ever so slightly things are displaced on the timeline. Like mm-hmm. the camera will cut to something that is about to happen yeah. or something that already happened kind of comes back. And right. it's almost like, I think he really did a good job at um, making you feel like you have the zaps, like when you've done too much like Molly or something. Yeah, totally. <laughs> so yeah, it's like, fun. Who knows? Stuff starts repeating on a loop. I'm like, wait a second. Didn't I, didn't this just happen? Or no, I don't know. I'm fucked up. <laughs> like, I wanted to talk about this, um, this transcendence that um, the Christian girl seems to find in spring break, right? Because you get the sense that she's not just lying to her grandmother. Like she really feels it uh, at first. And it's just like, it it really seems to me like a document of such an alienated society and such an alienated world, right? Like the guy's name is literally alien. I come from another planet, yo. Then she's, and she's the only one of these girls who has, you know, something representing these old social bonds. Right. Although, although like evangelical Christianity is basically just a synthesis of Christianity and capitalism as we know. And, And then she goes to spring break and she finds transcendence. She finds connection. She keeps saying she's made so many friends and I'm, I keep thinking in my head, I'm like, how similar, how different is this from like the cabin trips that I do with my friends? Like how, like, like, is there anything (laughs) real that she's finding in here? Like, oh yeah, I too like to go on a trip with my best friends and do a bunch of drugs and listen to some cool music. And is this just like us if we had bad taste or Uh, is there something like it it, is it damning to both of us or is there something like specially uh vacuous about this particular kind of culture but like they also say spring break forever right like they want to stay in this forever and it reminds me of like the episode we did about rave culture where raves are in a way like a place where you can exist outside of capitalism and take a little holiday from the directives of everyday life i think we have harmony corinne's answer to this because every time one of the girls was like calling her parents and saying oh we made so many friends we found community here we found something special uh, the director's always putting just like titties and boobies and like the <laughs> greatest debauchery, just people like funneling beers over yeah. them talking about finding this community. So I think that he's pretty clear that, that that whatever these girls actually are finding, they're finding something compelling to themselves, something that they they were were lacking in their lives previous. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a simulacrum, kinda... right? It's like one of those decoy ducks you put in a cage with a baby duck and the baby duck thinks it's its mom or, you know, uh, I don't know, like how social media is a simulacrum for us wanting to connect yeah. with each other. Well, also, that's what like God is, you know, that's what religion yeah. is. It's a simulacrum. Just for... making up a guy and thinking he's your dad. 
dad. Yeah. I'm the guy. So it makes sense that she's having a crisis because she's someone who uses that simulacrum in the form of God and then is seeing a new version going, do I want to t- t- replace it with this? You know? Yeah. I think yeah. it's also interesting what you're saying about like this phone calls where she calls back home and she's like so troubled and she's kind of lying and saying, oh, I met all these people or whatever. You know, you're really see- seeing on display the disparity between what the parents back home think spring break is and what it actually is. And those are two different fucking things. It's really interesting. The idea of it is, is entirely like the the reality of it is become an entirely different thing than, you know, what it even like what old people think it is, which is weird because they invented it and it was, you know, (laughs) what was it in the beginning? I mean, uh, I I watched Rex show me a trailer for uh, Where the Boys Are, which is a 1960 Connie Francis uh, film that talks about Easter break and it's about all this debauchery that happens down in Fort Lauderdale and apparently uh, after 1960 when it came out, spring break became like a real thing for the first time. This like recursive effect of like making a movie about spring break which then brings more people out to spring break until it comes this tradition where now it's like considered a rite of passage and i think like i mean we the the question about whether it's real community they found or not is an interesting one if it is in fact if when they're talking about they've made all these great friends and it turns out that those are just like half naked bodies that you grind with at like weird rapey parties i mean maybe that said something about like what community really exists in the united states like what closeness yeah. and togetherness and friendship really is possible in uh 2012 yeah. or 2021 i don't know that harmony yeah, corinne is that's... saying that but maybe he is maybe he's, he's smarter than we give him credit yeah for. no you guys are right like he definitely makes those scenes kind of fucking depressing yeah uh, and, and like it's weird that people think the movie doesn't have any or isn't coherent because because like just because it doesn't have a moral message uh like doesn't mean that it's not coherent about what it's doing right Right. like it almost beats you over the head with it yeah when like (laughs) oh like over and over again like when they're reenacting the robbery and they're like yeah we wanted money so we took the money and now we have money and power and it's sexy like (laughs) yes anybody that was what we are trained to want any anybody that would watch this movie and say it wasn't coherent is like someone who also would read The Great Gatsby and go, it wasn't fucking about anything. Like you're an idiot. The problem is you. The problem is the, what we've done to create right like an ecosystem of writers that don't understand art. Now it's not the art itself. This is a perfectly yeah, fine like coherent the, film. The Marvel movement movies, yeah, super coherent. Yeah. yeah, you want little baby morality tales where it's like, look, someone did a good job and they're rewarded right. and they're a marginalized person and you know whatever. I I think this this touches on the important thing. I mean, we re- mentioned the frontier before and we talked about the American dream. I happen to I. I because of History is a Weapon 10, and there was a lot of references to this, I picked up Cormac McCarthy's uh, Blood Meridian, which is all about the frontier, and it's about people uh, being born and reborn through acts of violence. And so what, when these girls, in the beginning of the film, their lives are like shit. They hate their lives. They're bored as hell. They don't feel like they have anybody except for each other. Uh, they're depressed and bored. And then... They're transformed through this act of violence. When they go with the toy guns and the hammer, they go into that first joint to rob it in order to live their dreams. They keep replaying this violence over and over again to themselves through the course of the film until the point where they are, they, they're committed to, act, to, like, to acting out an even greater 
act of violence because not just that that's normalized, but that is what allows them to like be reborn as these new people in this new reality. Mm -hmm. It's violence. And that's like the violence of the American frontier, right? Mm -hmm. The the American frontier is about constantly creating and recreating these sorts of um, oppressive, violent actions and relationships uh, that really do give birth to a new world that give birth to manifest destiny that give birth to the, the American dream because it gives birth to America. Yeah. And I think, I think this film does a really good job of showing the violence that underlies all of this shit. See the violence inherent in the system. See the violence inherent in the system. (laughs) Yeah. Like, uh, the violence, I mean, it's very clear the, the violence like done to the townies in this town because it's just this fucking spring break economy. And there's like working class people who live in the town who either like work shitty service jobs or join a gang and sell drugs. Like those are the options that they have. Right. And then you have like the, you know, wealthier, whiter spring breakers coming in and, you know, running amok. Uh, and, and two of them like really, really fuck shit up. So like, I do think that there is some moral judgment there because just by showing it, right. That's like, a bit of an imminent critique. Yeah. I mean, you, you know, you have to understand what's being put on display in order to get to a point where you see this as inherently moral message. And, you know, people don't understand that we live in capitalism. So they look at this and they're like, what's the message? You know, it's the same thing with fucking parasite. We're like, well, I don't understand what happened, you know, (laughs) because it's, it's It's reality reflected back at people who don't want to see it. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, like it's it's on some level, if you don't really understand, you know, that uh, it's a story about America and America is a story about capitalism. You can look at this and just go, why are you telling me a story about how everything's so fucked up? Why are you just, why are you just being such a downer? You know, I mean, (laughs) why are you looking at this in in such a negative way? You know, why not tell a positive story about spring break? (laughs) And I I think that that's part of what his intervention as an artist was, was to take this thing that's like um, sacrosanct for a lot of people in this society. Like they love spring break and they want to go to it. And um, just the name alone, it makes you think you're walking into, to the movie theater or you're like renting it on whatever uh you think it's going to be a fun show fun film about like boobies and drinking yeah it sure isn't <laughs> i don't I, no one can know harmony korean's process or whatever we but i don't want to know it's probably sick well I, he the did thing is, go I, down there and stay in like some of the spring break hotels when he was writing this movie what? and kind of get a vibe for what was going on that's, down there that's exactly what i'm saying though i mean this, this is this is art done well is you fucking you get a vibe and then you dig your way back up to the fucking surface and go, you know, what, what did that, what did that vibe mean? What were all the things that were connected to it and stuff? And I think this is like the best execution of that, that he's done. I think it's his best movie, yeah. you know? I mean, cause the rest of them are like, he kind of does that, but it's just like, they're just so fucking weird and you can't, can't tell what's going on or what he's trying to say. It's bogged down in too much surrealness. But I think that there's a really coherent, like the point that I, just as somebody who makes shit, I'm like, I know what he did. He, you, and this is what I like is when someone starts with the, why does this fucking make my brain feel so weird yeah. vibe thing? And then work your way backwards yeah. and discover all this stuff. It's fucking yeah. cool. Oh, man, you guys are really uh, reminding me of a sick burn from the New Yorker uh, about this movie. Oh, where what was that? Anthony Lane writes, who will stay with this film and glorify it? Two sorts. I reckon. Real revelers, Randy for sensation, out of their heads, 
and a block away, coffee-drinking PhDs <laughs> musing on the cinema of alienation, yeah. too lost inside their heads to break for spring. Uh, and I just want to say, I am going on spring break, so fuck you, Anthony Lane. <laughs> Find you a girl who can do both. Yeah, why not both, man? <laughs> uh, you really clocked or, us, huh? Damn. Or Canolo's dose. I mean, I feel like the second. I'm definitely a PhD in the coffee shop talking about alienation, and I can't break to do spring break. That's, oh, you got me, man. Captured 100%. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's, that, that in itself is so elitist and lofty of a state. You mean you can't, you mean... People can't party and also be smart. And that, that, that's like, uh, what's the thing? Like, optimism, right? There's or like, let people enjoy things. It was like what someone could say about spring break, right? Like, I don't give a shit about spring break one way or the other. I literally have never thought about it before, except that it's like a subculture. It's a mainstream subculture yeah. that brings together mm-hmm. like millions of people from disparate parts, just like these girls who came from like wherever the fuck, they don't even say where they came from, but like disparate parts of the country all come together to do the same thing and share like the same cultural moment it's a subculture yeah and mm-hmm. that, that that is then sacrosanct, sacrosanct for those people maybe they're offended by this movie maybe they think it's like really cool and violent in a fun way but like it's an interesting thing to examine why this happens and what it means that uh, Christian documentary I watched was really interesting because it seemed like what they were implying was from the evangelical point of view they were like look this is like Bedlam. This is Sodom and Gomorrah happening all over again, and they seem to be. Their message seemed to be that like this is happening because uh, they were like this is representative of our entire culture. Like you know, and then they kept flashing in Cardi B, wet ass pussy, and Beyonce and stuff. And going, look, look, there's a culture wide fucking thing that's expressing itself this way, and uh, it's just because. You know, this, like, we've gotten so far away from understanding, you know, what the Bible tells us about yada, 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 or whatever. And I thought, when I was watching it, I was like, this is really interesting, because this documentary is uh, directed towards people who had probably gone to spring break and been, you know, the implication is you should examine, like, what are you are participating in. But I was watching it, and I was like, I don't fucking hang out with these people in college. I thought they were dipshits, you know? So, you know, what is being expressed through, yeah, this subculture? Well, that's the thing, is the reason it's a subculture is because not everyone enjoys, like, deliberately sort of Tur- sp- leaning into the excesses of patriarchy and white culture and like the yeah. fucking yeah. hegemony it's uh, most people think it sucks yeah that's true they, <laughs> that, these people have no ironic detachment for the things that they do <laughs> yeah no, there's me for my coffee shop again <laughs> <laughs> unlike us no i mean it honestly it made me wonder if the shit that i do is also just like a different flavor it of is. this consumerist it totally bullshit. is how is like, this any different from like a cool like going to Basilica Soundscape, which similarly yeah. brings people from different areas together to, to share this cultural artifact that's completely commodified. It's like under the rubric already of commerce when you go do it and people come together and sure, they listen to noise music and take yeah. acid instead of like listening to, to fucking drum and bass or listening to dubstep and taking alcohol. But like... Or Molly. It, or Molly, whatever. I mean, I you, mean, you can tell us your stories, fair, but you know. I take Molly at Basilica too. <laughs> but I'm saying, like, this is like, like, there's this, this specific subculture of spring break, but then there's also like American subcultures and how people yeah. fall into them yeah. and how it creates this meaning. Maybe when you go to Basilica Soundscape in Hudson, New York, and you're not even talking to like those thousand people around you listening to like drone or noise or whatever, you are feeling a real connection to them. And the question is, like, is that a real connection or not? I don't know. 
Yeah. yeah no, it made me feel like everything I do in my life to try to escape the banality of the everyday is also garbage. And the only difference between me and the spring breakers is that I have better taste. We're all like, it's spring just, breakers. Like I just decided to purchase a different commodity. <laughs> like it's depressing as hell. Actually, no, it's, it's true though. I mean, like this is the sort of deeper things we can get into now that this movie gave us, which is like, we're all formed socially and we're all formed mm-hmm. historically. The girls were running away from history, you know, and the girls were running away from themselves, but they were running towards a form of social expression that, yes, can be either tasteless or very tasteful, but is like a big part of the American experience where we're all separated from each other, certainly now under COVID. But then we make these sort of um, like uh, hodges. We go on the hodge to like spring break or whatever. And even if we're not making deep connections, we feel a oneness with all those people. And, mm-hmm. and the drinking and debauchery is part of that. Do you think yeah. that so let's take spring break and then compare it to going to like, I don't know, some fucking, you know, s- cool like g- music festival or something where all these cool bands that we like are getting back together and shit. Um, Cause I've done that and then had the feeling like, Oh, wait a minute. I, I've, I thought I was doing something really subversive and I'm at a fucking ca- capitalist thing again, you mm-hmm. know? Do, but do you think that like, uh, the difference between those... Do you think they're the exact same thing? Or do you think that there there's like something that you can say about the excesses and all the rape culture and stuff of Spring well, Break yeah. that is less present in the other ones? I don't want to say it's not present. People get fucked up at uh, music festivals and stuff too. But is, it, is this an across the board, like you just can't escape this need to go co- commune with other people? Uh, so who gives a shit which one you pick? Or is this... Is better or worse no i think there are better and worse versions for sure um and like the kind of i mean look we have a sexual assault problem in the indie community as well but this is something that people take very seriously and i think a lot's changed in just a few years so like yeah, you can you can have a better version of a simulacrum of a community, right? But it's so hard. Like it's basically impossible to have a real one as long as we have capitalism and have to operate. I was going to say this might bring it back around full circle to like talking about the actual shit going on at Spring Break right now or whatever. But is it is it that all of these things are inherently limited because what you're yearning for when you are the person going, I'm going to go to a music festival, I'm going to go to the spring break or something is the communal like feeling that your body yearns for that you would get in like communism and that we, we can only make a simulacrum of it in these little events. I mean, uh, to, bring, I to, bring, to bring history back into it, it's like, uh, what did, what were the pilgrimages to like Lords in France you know, that Catholics would do 600 years ago. What was that about? It was a bunch of spring people. break. <laughs> yeah, it was like, it was a Christianized spring break. It was like all of these Catholics coming together and being like, we all go to this one place and we like commune with each other and we commune with God. And I'm sure there was something exciting about finally being on the road again, like in medieval, in medieval France, traveling from all over the country, certainly like the, the pilgrimage to Mecca, right? Like <laughs> medieval the alien is there. He's like, I got horses. <laughs> I got sticks. I got chain mail. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking talking to God and shit. Oh my yeah. god. <laughs> That's exactly right. I think that there's there's like on one level there's something transhistorical and like very human about this. But then of course I think always just like you couldn't understand the pilgrimage to Lords except by understanding like Catholicism and feudalism. You can't understand like spring break 
without understanding um, what atheism and capitalism or something or like nihilism and capitalism i guess so that's that's more the religion that these girls the ones who were left the girl selena gomez went home but like um the girls all they had left was like this kind of free-floating nihilism and this like desire to like push the limits of themselves and uh they were really sociopaths in the end they didn't care like when alien gets shot and killed they give him a kiss and they literally walk over his dead body yeah. <laughs> like, literally. like they like a couple scenes ago they were telling him that they loved him yep. Did they ever? And I mean, maybe I, they did. Maybe but, they you did know, in their own weird fucked easily, up way. A few days later, you're like, meh, yeah, whatever. It happens. No, like he was a means to the end. I think that they were able to, like, once they got their first taste of this, like, uh, acquisitive American violence when they robbed those people in the store, he allowed them, he, he like, transferred his power of violence to them. Like, like they, they came together and he gave them the power to be, like, even more violent by, by, with the guns and also, like, a a context for going on a mass killing spree, right? Like these yeah. girls clearly were down with violence and they wanted to kill shit. And he gave them not just the means, but also the, the, um, the meaning behind going yeah. out and killing. So he was an important figure, but one that like, once they go out and they mass murder all those people at Archie's <laughs> mansion, like they, they can step over his dead body then because he's done what they needed to do. Done, yeah. he'd done what, what needed to be done for them. So very dark in a, that way. A more like they are American monsters. story than that was never told. Yeah, they're they're moral monsters, and we certainly don't celebrate them. As cool as they look in like neon bikinis, wearing those pink murder masks that they wear. <laughs> to shoot people up. I mean, they look cool. Yeah, I mean, well, it is sad to see aliens' dead body and stuff. But you also like have to also remind yourself, like, well, this wasn't a good person. He was like, he was trying to exploit them, and that's how he met them. And yeah. so this is just like a chain of adopting the exploitive status. Right. He was real, though. Like, say what you want about Alien. He was real. I think that the girls, like, who knows if they ever loved him or not. But like, Alien, like, he had his place in the world, and they helped destroy that by like breaking him and Archie up, and like the violence you know, towards like when they're getting everyone's getting hyped up to go do the the mass murder at the fucking mansion the girls keep asking like are you a pussy are you a pussy are you scared and he's like yes i'm really scared like, oh, so you're a fucking pussy and he's like i yes i'm scared and they're like oh, okay pussy and you have to see him like like with his guns like by himself at home like like loading them and psyching himself up to go do this mass murder and the girls are just like lounging around just like in the bed covered in money completely fine with what's about to happen so he like literally didn't want to do this and he was scared but they compelled him into it yeah by their yeah. powers by their sociopathic powers i guess they're nihilism can't trust them women folks am i right i guess kind of <laughs> what i'm thinking about if i'm st i'm still kind of working on my own framework of like you know there he's an exploiter and they just used him to become an exploiter but like i think it's also why they don't it doesn't matter when he dies because he wasn't good to begin with and you could easily look at him and go well, he was an asshole and it's an asshole eat asshole world and yeah. so i'm gonna be the biggest Which is asshole. What archie says like specifically right he says there's not enough room for the two of us yeah you know and like that is the the the, the rationale behind american life right it's like get ahead of your enemy kick the rungs out of the ladder as you're on your way up and so Alien and Archie and these girls are very American figures in that sort of way. Same like the great Gatsby. Well, I, I also like, I guess I'm projecting this on a millennial culture and going like, you know, the proverbial white man. We're all like leaving in the dust and going, fuck that guy. 
he was an asshole and the answer is now it's white women you know <laughs> they're mm-hmm. white women are alien now is this good <laughs> uh, okay i don't white know women extinction button <laughs> no nobody is good and everybody is a product of their environment like nobody in this film is an individual even alien is an archetype like Everybody from Florida knows a guy like that. Um, the good girl is just a good girl. Uh, and like she holds this kind of allure for Alien because she's like a different kind of archetype than what he's yeah. used to. Um, but like she is not really an individual, uh, I don't think. And nor are, I mean, the other three girl characters are basically like interchangeable, right? They're just kind of this like feral hive mind of. <laughs> consumerism <laughs> yeah. and uh sexuality and like uh commodification and you know britney spears songs which by yeah. the way uh the britney spears songs in this movie have aged incredibly well it's oh, even God, darker yeah. now oh yeah um yeah. like thinking about what happened to britney like yes this is this is what happens so like i i think if there's anything that can be recuperated from this movie i mean obviously some people are going to watch it and be like yeah that's awesome america fuck yeah i want to i want to be like that Boy, they sure and mass then, murdered good in that match <laughs> and then there's people who will watch it and, and you know have the liberal response which is oh these people they're just bad people like i need to teach i need to educate my kids better so they don't do a cultural appropriation and or like go murder. kill people or whatever um but like i don't think that's what we're supposed to think like no. he's showing us the world as it is and you know as anarchists and as communists it's our job to come in and be like all right how do we fix this shit you know uh how do you fix this i don't know man you'd have to uh this is this doesn't get fixed on its own <laughs> well, spring I, break doesn't get fixed you have to isolated out, from other things the outlaw spring break like what happened in fort lauderdale that's sure right where yeah. it's mm-hmm. how Footloose. Make it antagonistic towards the state and see what happens. <laughs> or, yeah, do we just go down with all our communist friends, go down to Miami, intervene in spring break, push it to its radical limit, step two, question mark, step three, communism. Huh? Where does, I mean, where does spring break enter the hidden abode of production, though? How could you actually make deep roads into the, the law of value through spring break? That's the question. I guess they could go down to the port of Miami and start blockading it. Like, we want a party. Shut down the ports. And then maybe you we can know start. that it's actually pretty easy to shut down yeah. these logistics hubs. We know from the boat that uh, is maybe unstuck. Yeah. Maybe still stuck. It's hard to keep track. I hope it's still there. Well, I, I believe in when, her. When the spring breakers take the port and shut down global commerce and break the circuit of capital, that's when we can understand them as revolutionary subjects. Until then, just some kids having a badass time, <laughs> fighting the cops if they have to, but uh, just living the dream down there. Well, they also, well, the, 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 like, the other product that comes out of spring break is just like the, like all the MTV cameras and shit right. on it. So yeah. maybe we could take hold of that somehow and, like, <laughs> you know, commandeer the cameras or something. Uh, the means oh, yeah. of cultural we're, production. We're taking yeah. the cameras. <laughs> I mean, Andy wants to turn off the internet. That's cool. If we can't do that, we should at least, you know, take take the cameras back and do some kind of situationist thing with them. I don't know. I feel like if um, if forever is going to start tonight, 
is a song. I mean, that's not what the song is actually called, but that's what we decided to name our show, which we are doing later today on Twitch. Like if that, if that could be an anthem about abolishing capitalist time, I feel like spring break forever is along those same lines. hundred percent. Same vibe, honestly. Same vibe. We need that sort of, maybe we need that sort of vibe. Spring break forever as like a communist, um, Demand. Yeah. (laughs) Demand, you know, we have to, we want it all. We need to create the irreversible and we need to demand the impossible. And And what the impossible is, is spring break forever. I love it. Yeah. No more of this eight hours shit. Spring break Mm -mm. forever. Forever. Never work. Do crime. Like, I feel like (laughs) Harmony Korean is on the, just the very verge of becoming a communizer. And I'm here for it. It's on the bleeding edge of communization theory. That's what Spring Breakers 2012 was. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck endnotes, man. Seriously. JK, unless. (laughs) Good episode, guys. Oh, man. I mean, this is just such a great fucking movie. Yeah. Everybody it's, out there, if you so haven't much. watched it, we spoiled the whole thing for you. But you know what? It's fine. Doesn't matter. Doesn't we, matter. The way you need to watch this movie is by being drunken on Xanax for like days at a time. <laughs> you're supposed to be in college, but you're not in class, yeah. and it's on a loop, like yeah. the way that the old the DVD players used to, <laughs> you know, repeat. You just kind of coming in and out of consciousness and catching parts of the movie out of. Uh, and you're you're going to get it. Even in that state, you're going to understand the vibe. It's, 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 a, it's a vibe. Especially in that state. Are you yeah. kidding me? Like, I, I definitely watched it wrong last night when I was, like, sober and taking notes. Like, ugh. <laughs> the, the New Yorker was right about me. <laughs> well, thank you, Harmony, for creating this wonderful piece of art. And just some great aesthetics in general. Like, oh, what a beautiful so moment. I mean, all the neon stuff, that really became a thing in the last 10 years or so, like with all these, like, Safdie Brothers movies and shit, yeah. like Good Time. And, and that's when Vaporwave came out, came out <gasps> too. Like, God. it was on the oh cutting God, edge yeah. of that, too. Yeah. It's so dreamy. Love Fucking it. Harmony Corinne, go on Antifada. That's oh what God. I have to say. That would be quite the episode. <laughs> I real I like I think he's almost an anarchist. Like I feel like his consciousness might be transformed in the course of making more movies and channeling the zeitgeist. I don't know. I'm probably reaching for it. No, like he's he claims to be apolitical, I'm pretty sure. But um so do a lot of people who then realize they're anarchists. I don't know. Yeah, so Hemingway <laughs> he was a communist. I could see that. I mean you know, it's something I think about anarchism is very intuitive. So if somebody like this is working off the vibe, you can just go, okay, attach a little bit of literature to this to give you a framework. And then suddenly like, oh, shit. Yeah. Uh, well, I don't know why. He's we- not on Twitter, so I can't tweet at him to read the bread book. <laughs> I don't know why we're serious. Like, we're seriously talking out how we're going to radicalize <laughs> Harmony Corinne. <laughs> it's time for us to intervene hole. in Harmony Corinne and push him to the radical limit. <laughs> all right? This is time for us to intervene in ourselves and ask why we talk about such silly things. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. This is an intervention, you know, guys. We take our pleasures where we can get them from, guys. Just like the girls from Spring Break. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's us. That's we're just, us. you know, nihilistically in search of cheap thrills it just turns out that 
what thrills us is not, you know, committing heinous acts of violence, but uh, just over intellectualizing a dumb movie about spring break. I think we did a great job with it. All right, Jake, thanks, man. Good times. Oh, oh you want to plug anything before you go? Yeah, uh, my other podcasts are Pod Damn America and Why You Mad, and I'm on Twitter at Feral Jokes, but you guys probably know who I am, so that's it. That's all I got. Excellent. All and, right. Uh, check us out on uh, twitch.tv slash the Antifada. We're streaming up to four nights a week now, so uh, if you're a listener and you like the show, you'll really like the live stream, too. You can chat with us on there and... Uh, hang out and it's real fun so check it out oh yeah and we are taking calls from our patrons via the discord so if you want to talk to us you gotta be a patron patreon.com slash the antifada or you know if you don't have any money and you still want to talk to us or be a patron hit us up and we'll uh we'll hook you up with some uh yeah however however we figure out how to do that because um you know we're a communist podcast, so we don't expect all of our listeners to have that much money. Yeah, but if you do, we have great premium content also. All right, guys, that wraps it up. It's all right, it's finished. All right, it's finished. Uh, do it, Jake. Just <laughs> say the thing. Did I steal your line? I was going to say spring break forever. Yeah. It's finished. That's better. <laughs> <laughs>